Hi, I'm George Boldarki, and this is Cityscape. If you're like me, you've had your fair share of ice cream this summer. It's the perfect treat on a hot summer day, but then again, if you ask me, it's the perfect treat any time of the year. In this edition of Cityscape, we're checking in with a unique ice cream shop that's serving both delicious ice cream and the community at large. Sugar Hill Creamery is located in Harlem. It's owned and operated by husband and wife duo Nick Larson and Petrushka Bazin Larson. They describe the shop as a love affair between community and food, and they serve dozens of flavors of handmade ice cream and non-dairy frozen desserts inspired by their Caribbean and Midwestern cultures, as well as the Harlem community they're a part of. We recently talked with Petrushka and Nick about the shop and their recent partnership with Ice Cream for Change, in which they helped raise money to fight racism. Petrushka, hello to you. Hi. Hey, Nick. Hello. Such a pleasure to have you both here, especially during the hot summer months when we all scream for ice cream. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) That's right, George. How is the ice cream business going in the midst of the COVID-19 pandemic? Uh, Fairly well. Fairly well. I mean, we, you know, we had to make a a few adjustments, obviously. Uh, Our storefront isn't open for guests who come in, but we do, luckily we have a a walk-up window, which we, uh, we've been using uh, the entire time uh, during the pandemic. And so, you know, we've had to make a few adjustments um, to like selling more uh, wholesale and doing less catering and things like that. But the business overall has been pretty, pretty fair. People are um, excited to eat ice cream, no matter yeah. what's going on. And I would say probably, I mean, we're probably heading into the height of COVID. But when, at the period that we thought was the height of COVID, which was March through May, um, people were happy that we were still open because it was the one of the few normal things that was happening in their life. So they would like take their maybe weekly or daily walk, depending on their risk tolerance, if you will, to walk to the shop and get a cone. And, um, you know, with every lick, there's like a, a moment or a feeling of normalcy. And so we've been able to fill that need, I guess, and, and quell people's anxiety um, during this time, which has been uh, an awesome thing. And uh, it's been awesome to offer that to our neighbors. Petrushka, not going to lie, I got goosebumps when you said that with every lick, there is a moment of normalcy because it is so true about ice cream, quite frankly. It's comfort food in the summertime. Yeah. And also in March when it, you know, in New York, it's like winter. Yeah. yeah, (laughs) Like it's comfort food whenever something is not going your way or if something is going your way, you know? Very Uh, true. It's a way to celebrate. Yeah, exactly. So... Things are not bad. I mean, of course, they could be better, but, you know, we are responding, as Nick said, um, to everything uh, with flexibility and agility and um, hopefully, I think, based on what we've heard, like making people happy along the way. How quickly did you have to pivot to change the business a little bit to accommodate for where we are now? Uh, Overnight, almost, you know, where we, uh, I mean... It was, you know, Sunday, obviously, in the middle of March, and, you know, the, the COVID was spreading, and we didn't know what to do. You know, obviously, no one you know, knew what was going to happen, and so we decided to to close the store, to only do the window walk-up 
so non-contactless uh, uh, service. And then we thought, well, how could we also service our customers? One was delivery, um, so doing uh, online orders, uh, which we had been doing before, but we never really marketed. And then the other thing we did was a, a, a CSA in the, so many words. So we created a, an option for guests to be able to order a weekly uh, share of ice cream, um, either three or five pints, and then some of our classic flavors. And then we would create like a couple wild cards every week. So you get something new and fresh and something different every week. And we would drive as a family in our minivan around Harlem and upper Manhattan and deliver to people's doors. And then we would just, you know, knock on the door and leave it there. And then every week they would get five pints of ice cream, which actually served as, you know, a really great source of revenue for us during March, April, May. And so we're going to continue that, you know, in the fall. So, But that's also yeah. true community. Mm-hmm. You know, that visual of you driving around delivering ice cream, that's true community. It's like the milk person. I don't want to say the yes. milk man, but it's like it the milk man. A, yes. That's exactly the analogy that we included in the description of this service. Like, I'm remember, I mean, if you can, you know, if you're old enough to remember when the milkman delivered milk on your doorstep, it's basically what we're doing um, with three small children in tow in a 2006 Toyota Sienna. <laughs> 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 um, it was a, it was quite um, a project, which yielded many angsty moments for small children, but um, was a family bonding experience. And honestly, during a pandemic, there's nothing, there is nothing that will make your child more appreciate their home than sticking them in a car to drive around city circles for four hours. <laughs> you have, so the, answer. <laughs> you have the answer. You have the Let's talk about the community in which you're located, the Harlem community and your place in that community. Yeah, so um, our shop is located in Central Harlem. Um, we're on Lenox or, or Malcolm X Boulevard. They're interchangeable between 119th and 120th Street. Um, we are more specifically in the Mount Morris Park District. Um, we happen to also live in the same community as the shop or the vicinity, close vicinity to the shop. Um, but we named the shop after Sugar Hill the neighborhood that's further north of where we're located. And the reason why is because we used to live in Sugar Hill now, several moons, many moons ago. Um, But we named it for, mm, I think it's two or three reasons. One, because the neighborhood had such a rich and vibrant um, creative legacy, um, you know, globally, but obviously, especially in Harlem, um, being the home to many um, creatives who had uh, amazing contribution to the Harlem Renaissance and helping to um, place Harlem on the map for those living outside of outside of the neighborhood um, too. We used to live there. Um, it's like where we got our first start and this is our first um, business together and our first real business period um, individually. And then it's also just like a really good name for ice cream because that is like ice cream is a hill of sugar uh, <laughs> and dairy, um, you know? And so we felt like it was a name that we could grow into. Um, we definitely named it with hesitance because as in many neighborhoods um, where gentrification is happening, mm-hmm. um, real estate developers and real estate agents will start renaming neighborhoods. And because while we are known to our friends and immediate neighbors, we are not known to the Harlem 
uh, neighborhood at large. And so we were not sure if people would understand that we actually very much so know where we live. Um, and yeah. we we're not trying to rename a neighborhood, um, but actually just trying to nod to our own legacy as a couple, but then also this greater historical legacy within Harlem. So we did it hesitantly with the understanding that we would grow and you know that we would ultimately find our footing in Sugar Hill, which is a project that we had been working on for the, like over a year. And we were supposed to open um, our second location in May, um, actually in the neighborhood adjacent to Sugar Hill, which is called Hamilton Heights on the west side of Sugar Hill. Um, and that has been stalled because of COVID. So um, we are just, you know, biding our time, I guess, until things can kind of settle with uh, permits and getting electricity turned on. And also when people can comfortably, um, you know, go inside of places, again, small spaces um, without, you know, just having a one, two person sort of limitation. So we are growing. Um, and, and now we're, this, this week is actually marking our third year of business. And hey, um, congratulations. Yeah. Thank you. And, um, and so that second location, which we were hoping to open in May is now a little on the on ice, but what we will be able to do very soon is open the production space, which is like in the basement space of that location that will no allow progress us to nevertheless yeah, progress, progress is happening so yeah yeah what inspired the two of you to open an ice cream shop in the first place oh i mean uh many many well a few things not having a job <laughs> so you you don't have a job you figure out well, what can i do because you know um you know, I was worked in uh, the restaurant industry for for about over a decade in New York City, and uh, so we closed our restaurant, and so I was jobless for the first time in a decade, and uh, and so we didn't, you know, what was the next step for me? And then, you know, Patricia and I, we were in D.C. and we had a really great experience getting ice cream, and we just kind of thought, and she pushed it more than I was very skeptical, like how would ice cream work in our neighborhood? Because you know it's obviously seasonal. Um, would there be a demand for it? There's not. There aren't any ice cream shops really in Harlem prior, other than Baskin Robbins. So we, you know, it took a little coercing. And then when I realized I didn't want to go work for another chef at that, you know, capacity, you know, working for somebody else, stole for so many hours a week, and you know, so when I was on board, we kind of uh, that was in August of 2016, and we opened a year later. And uh, that was that. And it was, you know, it was an idea to create community in the neighborhood and, and uh, fill a need. And, um, and it's, you know, it's evolved, obviously, in the last three years to, to something we feel is bigger, too. So. Petrusco, do you remember that specific conversation where you were at home oh. eating ice cream when you decided, hey, you know what? Ice cream. No, it, I remember it. Oh, like it was yesterday. So <laughs> it was a Memorial Day weekend. Um, I was on maternity leave from my job um, at Brooklyn Children's Museum. And we were in D.C., which is where I was raised between the ages of five and 17. Um, I was actually there for a conference for work, though I was on maternity leave. But it was fine because I was there voluntarily to just like, you know, get knowledge, see my mom um, and Nick and I came with our two kids. And so after the conference, I met, um, I met up with, we met up with some of my friends from high school at Union Market, which is um, a food hall 
at relatively new food hall in, in DC. And that's where we had that ice cream. And it, it kind of dawned on us after having a lovely lunch and like hang time with friends that we don't see all the time. Like, why can't we have, like, we don't, we've actually never done this at home in our own neighborhood. And why is that? And so, you know, one question leads to the next and you realize the reason why you can't is because it doesn't exist. And because Nick was in this sort of transitional space of trying to figure out what is the next step um, and had always wanted to open, he'd always wanted to open a food restaurant, um, a, a food business in the form of a restaurant um, since we had been dating, um, you know, was like, why not this? And so like all on the drive home back to my mom's house, we were kind of just like playing out the the scenario like of okay we could open an ice cream shop <laughs> like what does that look like you know by the end of the weekend you know uh nick's thought was it's too seasonal like how are we going to survive in the winter and it depends on what day you're talking to us one of us is an eternal optimist but on this particular day i was like it'll be fine like we'll figure it out it's gonna be fine we'll have the winter covered at It'll be fine. I just kind of felt like it would be fine. But obviously you need two people to do this sort of thing. And so um, we kind of shelved the idea um, for a couple months. And then uh, after some more consideration, Nick was 100% on board. And then that's when we decided to move forward. So what thinking went into how can we make ourselves special? What's going to be different about our ice cream shop? You know, I think... I was just actually chatting with a, a group of of students, college students, actually they're graduate students, um, who are in a class about placemaking. Um, I think that we entered this 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 life project um, with the idea that we would open something that our neighbors would appreciate and love, and we did that with the knowledge and experience of living in our neighborhood for. 15 and 13 years. I've lived here 15 years. Nick has lived here 13 years. So um, I think what distinguishes us is not something that we maybe thought about intentionally, but just innately happens because you are who you are and you make what you know you make and your perspective informs all of that. And we were committed to creating a space where our neighbors, no matter of their like socioeconomic background, no matter of their race, like could come and enjoy a simple pleasure in life called ice cream. And along the way, um, you know, Nick, who actually he has culinary training, so he's worked, you know, in a lot of restaurants, um, but hasn't formally cooked in any of those restaurants. He's managed them. Um, actually, went to culinary school a while ago, and so he was able to bring that training and his um, passion for pop culture, his passion for our neighborhood, um, his passion for just like innovation in a, in a food sense. And he was able to, he's been able and he continues to be able to create um, flavors that are unexpected and um, fun riffs on classics um, that everybody seems to be enjoying. I mean, sure, we get like the occasional review of, oh, this isn't sweet enough. I didn't taste anything. And it's like, well, we don't, we don't pour a ton of sugar into our ice cream. And we really like to privilege the ingredients that are in it and that are not just sugar. Um, and also sometimes we'll get, you know, a review of like, what is corn jalapeno ice cream? Like, I don't even get it, you know, <laughs> but the majority of the feedback to that flavor is like overwhelmingly positive. And, you know, people will say, wow, like this is a hidden gem because, 
I wasn't even expecting A, for there to be an ice cream shop or B, for there to be like freshly made ice cream or C, that these flavors would be completely unexpected and 100% enjoyable. So, um, you know, we came into this just being ourselves and and ourselves as a composite of where we have lived um, as adults for a while and our training and our interests. And so, um, so yeah, that's, that's, I don't know that it was intentional, but that this is the result of our collaboration being ourselves. Nick, let's talk more about those flavors. What are your classics now? Uh, well, we have four that are always on the menu. Uh, vanilla bean, which 70% of Americans eat vanilla or any other flavor. Uh, so vanilla has to be on the menu, even though, you know, vanilla is vanilla. And, uh, um <laughs> Yeah, we have a uh, dark chocolate, which is a non-dairy option. Uh, so it's it's very decadent, uh, 65% dark chocolate. So a little bitter. Uh, we have a blueberry cheesecake, uh, which is a cream cheese ice cream with uh, blueberry uh, jam and toasted graham cracker. And then our salted caramel crunch, uh, which has uh, chunks of brownie and uh, butterscotch in it. Those are our four classics. Those are always on the menu. Uh, and then we do a variety of, we always have like a kind of a seasonal uh, non-dairy uh in the summer it's watermelon with black sesame in the uh winter it's a or in the fall it's a spiced uh, apple cider uh in the spring we do a, a roasted pineapple with berberry spice which is an ethiopian spice so we do a different a non-dairy um and then we have kind of a lot of seasonal changes um corn jalapeno with hibiscus and blackberry uh is a summer favorite uh peach cobbler uh, strawberry basil with shortbread lemon curd is a summer favorite. In the fall, we transition, you know, into, um, you know, sweet potato, uh, so candy dams. Uh, we do like a, a bourbon pecan with, uh, uh, so we, and then, the, you know, and then the spring, we do like a, a, a spring pea and rhubarb ice cream. So we always have like something that's vegetal as well. And then we do kind of riffs on, on classics as well. Like, you know, like recently we did, um, uh, a rum raisin but we made we called it plum raisin because we used we cooked down some plums and with some spices and some rum so we're always kind of doing uh you know just a little bit of uh you know left turns on some old classics uh and then always trying to like be creative and using ingredients that are you know inspired you know uh, by black culture by you know uh, harlem's african culture history and you know and things like that as well and so yeah so it's ever you know we're always trying to do new fun stuff how do you develop your recipes is it simply experimentation in the kitchen yeah sometimes it's a, a it's it's a lot of i i find when I, when I got kind of in the groove of creating things it's like all right so what do people grow and eat right so like if you're growing let's say if you're in you know west africa right you grow this you say you 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 have coffee in the hills. You your crash coppers peanuts. You are doing um, you know you have ginger. You you have uh, turmeric. You have all these different things. They they tend to go well together because that's you know because that's what they grow and that's what they combine right. So it's kind of common sense of like that like in the you know and so I I kind of just start piecing things together that way and it tends to work out pretty well. Um, and, and yeah, and it's a lot of experience working in the, you know, in the restaurants for many years and seeing stuff and just be like, 
oh, that'll work. Like, our, you know, like the watermelon black sesame was based off a salad, you know? <laughs> it was like, oh, okay, let's try this. And it works. Do you have taste testers and do you need another one? <laughs> I don't, there's no more room. We're at <laughs> I'm the only one. No, I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> so, cool. do, is it primarily just the two of you tasting or do you have other people that you try things out on? I mean, sometimes it's customers. <laughs> so, you know, sometimes Nick will be inspired maybe after watching something or reading something as well. And he'll like do a, a, a pretty small batch and just kind of keep it at the shop and we'll put it on the menu and we'll sell it, you know, or, or we won't. <laughs> so, um, you know, like most of his experiments work out, but sometimes they're, you know, sometimes... Sometimes they just don't move. And... Sometimes, yeah. Sometimes you, yeah, you like. Well, we have the luxury of of having a small batch ice cream maker, so we can do very small amounts and see what works and see what doesn't work. And sometimes you just like I have the name right. So, like for example, there's a a rap artist from Harlem called Asap Ferg, and he has a song called Jet Lag. And I'm like, okay, I, I I think it's a great song, by the way. And I'm like, okay, I'm gonna create a flavor based off Ferg. And so I'm like. What do you have on an airplane? You have ginger ale, you have peanuts and, you know, and pretzels. So I'm like, I create a, a ginger ice cream with chocolate covered pretzels and peanut brittle and it works. So you huh. kind of like, you know, it's so like I had the name first and then I created the ice cream from it. So like it's, it's, you know, it's just trying to be, you know, it, ice cream is, it's, it's fun because you can literally, you're just throwing stuff into a pot sometimes, you know what I mean? And, and it's it works and when it you know and if it doesn't we you know we just don't put it back out again and no well the way you're describing it there is clearly an art to ice cream making because that sounds so artistic i would never think how artistic ice cream making is but there it is yeah 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 no yeah it's there's definitely a creative aspect to it and you know i don't take credit for any of it but it, he doesn't take credit but yet i only taste and do other <laughs> things. So, like, he absolutely should, but that's his Midwestern modesty. Um, shining, it's pretty shiny head. Um, <laughs> it's funny because it, I'm the one that went to art school twice, and and Nick went to school for journalism. But I would say in our business, he's the one that gets to be creative, which is awesome because he actually came to New York to be a stand-up comedian, hmm. which is also very creative. Um, and he is able to connect the dots between his deep like passion for popular culture and you know just New York which is a city that he um I think thought about a lot as a child in the rural area of Iowa because he was raised on a farm and this technically would have been a fourth generation farmer fun facts about Nick Um, (laughs) and so you know um it's really awesome I think to be able to see him fulfill this creative be creative every day in the creation of ice cream, which was obviously a completely unexpected career choice, I think, uh, for all of us, but it's fun. So recently you partnered with Ice Cream for Change. Tell us about that. Yeah. So um, earlier, I think right after George Floyd, uh, which that is, will be like, that's all that you have to say is an era of our time, like 
pre-George Floyd and post-George Floyd. So right after there was a whole movement amongst bakers called, I think, Bakers Against Racism. And I don't know who the organizers are, but I just kept seeing it on Instagram. Um, Bakers across the country who were being organized to um, sell their product and then donate proceeds from their sales over a day, a week, whatever the, um, you know, the time frame that they could sustain um, to organizations who are working uh, to undo racism and to uh, fight injustice and inequality in our country. And so um, very recently uh, there were, or there are two women who created ice cream for change in that same vein. Um, and they worked very quickly and very efficiently and very amazingly, amazingly to organize ice cream shops to do the same thing. And so, um, they reached out to us and then I think maybe some of their partners, like just people that they're in community with, um, and then just other people who heard about it reached out to say, Hey, are you all participating? Do you want to participate in this campaign? And so, you know, just as an organization, I come from nonprofit background also, sorry, like as an organization, as a company, you know, um, who's definitely like rooted and invested in our neighborhood, which is historically a black neighborhood. Um, and me being a black person um, is definitely committed to undoing racism and creating more just communities and spaces and policies for everybody to thrive and have um, equal rights and services and everything. Um, it was like, it was a no brainer for us to participate. So I understand that you've actually even used the ice cream shop for discussions, neighborhood gatherings, like new moms groups and other types of discussions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. So um, all of, okay, so I guess the quick thing about why we do that is, um, as I mentioned, I was chatting with some grad students who were in a placemaking class, and we think of the shop as an, a, a space that can create place, um, like in that sense of um, belonging and um, connection. And so we... That's Nico. He's awake. He's risen. Um, how old is Nico? So, how old Nico is Nico? Nico is two. He is okay. two and like an unhappy, awake person. Wow. Like cannot be consoled. Not even ice cream. Not even by ice cream. (laughs) Not not eat nothing. You know, that moment when the child wakes up, they're like, I don't know what's going on. I'm going to start crying. Um, So so needless to say, I I felt like the ice cream shop could be used in the same space that museums hope and intend for their spaces to be used. And my, I think I mentioned my training is in the arts, both first as a practitioner of the arts and maker of them, and then as a curator. And so that idea that you can have a space that can have meaningful, you can create meaningful conversations around, um, between people, um, was very compelling for me, um, as the person that has been trained in this way. And we, our, our actual shop, it maybe has like a permanent exhibition of, of faces of our neighbors that were um, commissioned, that we commissioned um, from an artist named Raul Ayala um, and that I worked with in like a previous job. Um, so that kind of sets the stage for the, for the shop. Like you think of the shop, this is the permanent exhibition, neighbors. And so um, neighbors past, neighbors present, neighbors that have been here a long time, neighbors that just moved here. And then the sort of public programming, if you're going to use the museum analogy, is like 
these conversations that we organize, um, whether it's a new moms group um, for mothers who just gave birth and are looking to find other, you know, tired mothers um, to to sort of commiserate with and also, you know, think fondly of their small children with together. Um, or it's, you know, our ice cream social series, which we launched right before COVID, um, that offers a space for neighbors to get together around a variety of quality, quality life topics, like integrating New York public schools or, um, connecting with other, um, museum workers of color or, um, talking about what it means to raise, um, a child who is biracial or multiracial and like what resources are, you know, what struggles, what resources, um, are people using? And so really like the programs are an extension of, I, I guess, my museum background and, Pro and programming a and we program the space accordingly and we will launch um our fall programs shortly oh look there's an isla okay anyway <laughs> uh, so we have nico we, we have isla we're there? missing zadie we're missing zadie okay uh, um, um so yeah we just kind of use the space in that and that's with that concept in mind well let me ask you this question i'll ask each of you this question cup or cone i'm cone sugar cone I'm um, actually be more specific waffle cone because waffle cone waffle offers cone. insurance. Okay. okay. That your cone is not going to fall off the cone. It's like a jacket, <laughs> you know, it's got, it holds the ice cream in and you can get a lot more in there. There we go. And it's also good advice because I happen to be a cup person, but it's only because I'm so concerned about making a mess. But maybe if I go to the waffle cone, I have a little bit yeah. of insurance. That's right. You can have the best of both worlds. The waffle cone is the cup of cones. Petrushka. You can get a unicorn. A what? A unicorn. What is that? Unicorn is code for a, a cup cone. Oh, oh, that's so true. Yeah. Yes, that is so true. <laughs> you, see? Yeah. you get the scoop with the cone on top. That's right. A lot of people get that too. Yeah. I've never good. heard of a unicorn, but you've just changed my world, Nick. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going out for a unicorn. It's that hot today. Nick, thank you so much for your time. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Petrushka, a big thank you to you. Thank you so much, George. Sugar Hill Creamery is located at 184 Lenox Avenue in Harlem. And they're online at sugarhillcreamery.com. And that's it for this week's Cityscape. I'm George Boldarki. My thanks to producer Maddie Bristow. Our music is courtesy of Blue Dot Sessions. Thank you so much for listening.